You're listening to Women's Cricket Chat with Hannah and Alex. This episode is brought to you by Black Rat Cricket. Remember, if you quote Women's Cricket Chat, you can get 15% off your team wear. Opening up our week of podcasts for International Women's Week, it's the one you've all been waiting for, Enid Bakewell. Now, if you don't know who Enid Bakewell is, she is a real trailblazer for the women's game. She played in the first ever World Cup, winning it in 1973. Enid played a match-winning innings in that final, scoring 118 and taking 2 for 28 to help her team to victory. Across 12 tests and 23 ODIs between 1968 and 1982, she scored 600s, took 75 wickets, and in 12 tests, she scored a mammoth 1,078 runs at an average of 59.88 and took 50 wickets at an average of 16.62. She is such a legend that she is only one of four women to score centuries in consecutive matches. Enid is now 80 years old, and is still wanting to pad up and hopefully play this summer. Just a heads up on the audio, we did do this over Zoom and it's pretty impressive that at 80 years old, she's very tech savvy. So apologies if in places the audio isn't the best. How are you anyway? Have you been uh, uh, all at home or have you been able to get out? Yeah, so at home, so you're honestly making my day today. So thank you so much for sparing some time to chat to us because honestly, it's a pleasure. Absolute highlight. I was saying to Alex beforehand, I was like, you must be literally like the greatest guest that we could ever speak to to be on our podcast. Are you two journalist friends? Yes. You just know one another through journalism or you know one another as friends? A bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Do you live in the north as well, Alexandra? No, I have lived in the north prior, but I currently live in the south, so it's a little where, bit warmer. Where about? South London. Much warmer, isn't it? Yes. Well, I went down there because, of course, I taught, I tried to teach cricket up here. My first job, I went to an all-girls school, technical grammar school it was, and um, it was next door to a boys' school, so of course the girls, when it was PE, ran out like bilio because of course they were right next to the boys' school, weren't they? And in fact, one of the girls who I taught, I actually taught with later. She gave me a job, and then I went to see her in New Zealand. The Felicity Govan, she was then. Anyway, I said to the woman PE advisor, "It's okay for me to teach cricket in lesson time." Oh no, she said, "It's too unladylike." You, so I could teach it as a, as a club after school, and I got one of the chaps who was a lovely guy, a chap with geography, and he um, he helped me, and we did a club after school. But then, of course, I moved down south because, of course, there was Jenny Wastrack. I don't know whether you've heard of Jenny Wastrack. Amazing woman. She did so much women's cricket down south. And um, she got Ebony Rainford Brent, really, into cricket uh, and was amazing because, of course, Ebony was the first black woman to be introduced to cricket, I think, for, for years, she was the only one. Amazing. E.B. the second, of course, Ebony Rainford Brent. Yeah, I always wonder whether there's some, like, un- uncovered kind of stories, any kind of history with more black women that we just don't realise yet. Because it seems crazy that Ebony was one of the first. Yeah. Well, A, women weren't accepted unless they I mean, in fact, when I went to college, a PE college, Dartford, 
I'd got an engagement ring and my, my friends, my uh, PE teacher said, don't wear that, you won't get chosen. No matter how good you are, you know, they expected women. And I think by and large, people in women's cricket years ago didn't expect you to marry. And and there were what there were three of us who were married. Rachel was married, of course, and then June Stevenson. And of course, our children, June had got two, Rachel had only got one, Ben, and I had three at one time. And and they weren't allowed to come with us. But in a way, that helped because you could actually concentrate more. I mean, normally my dad would take me with them and um, and he would take them off somewhere to a zoo or somewhere to occupy them or to the beach um, while I... Um, while I played cricket, so I could actually—I knew that they were safe in Dad's hand, and so uh, you know I could concentrate on the cricket. But of course, well, where was it? Oh, I know, down at Hove. We played at Hove once, and that was quite a, a funny story because Rachel, going out to um, uh, to field, shouted back to the childminder who was looking after Ben. He was only a baby then. His feed time, you see. So she shouts back to me like twelve thirty, and of course the dinner ladies thought. It was the time for lunch. So <laughs> that got mixed up. And then, of course, I got one there, at Lynn, and I had to come back to feed her because somebody had fed her at a club game and they'd given her the bottle cold so she wouldn't take it from anybody else except me. So I had to come off the field, feed the child, and then go back on again when I fed her. So um, so it was it was a fascinating time, actually, dealing with the children. And, of course, I left one when I went over for four and a half months to Australia and New Zealand. And, of course, I, uh, I had real qualms about doing that. And we, we stayed in one place with Con Holden, who played for England. And she put us all, all 17 of us up in her house. It's amazing. She got somebody in to help with the catering. Um, but, in fact... I'd sort of missed a period, and I was thinking I was pregnant again, you see. And I got this two-and-a-half-year-old. I didn't whether know whether it was right to leave her. And people said, well, she'll miss you more if she's four or five. So I got talked into that, and my parents looked after her during the week, and then my other half during the weekend. And, of course, I, I said that Mummy would be back when the daffodils were out. Well, they were out early that year, weren't they? 1969, wasn't it? 68, 69, we went. So we went on a four and a half months tour. And of course, did all right, actually. I got a century in my first innings for the test match. And I took over 100 uh, wickets and scored over 1,000 runs in that four and a half. But of course, what happened was that I used to try and find a push chair and a young child to wheel around the boundary when we were when we were uh, playing. So and, and they said, oh, keep that child away from her because she plays better when... And she's got a child to look after because I was missing Lorna so much. Mm-hmm. She's actually a member now at Lords, and my son's the only one who's really played cricket. The middle one played hockey. Lorna played hockey in goal. Um, but anyway, I'm okay now. I can uh, go off to New Zealand or Australia. Apparently, the England girls are in quarantine in New Zealand. Is that right? Yeah. I wish I was out there. I mean, I've been looking at... at um, Sri Lanka and Gaul. Gaul is a wonderful place, you know, if ever you get a chance to go. Have you ever been? No. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. But if ever you get a chance to go to Sri Lanka, go to Gaul. It's a beautiful place. There's a lovely cricket pitch there. In fact, when we when we played there, Charlotte's team played there, and I went in the crowd. And then I had to have a police check as I went in through the gates. And then uh, to guard the pitch before they went out to play, 
they got a whole lot of, I don't know, the policemen or soldiers, but with guns who were going and standing on the on the four corners of this cricket pitch. I've never seen that ever before. Amazing. Anyway, yeah, I think we won there. Yeah, but uh, I was really gutted when Charlotte, of course, she was in a peak form, wasn't she, with a bat? But, of course, she'd, she'd never been really brilliantly fit. She had to have a knee operation, I think, or something, or some operation on one of the legs. Uh, but, I mean, when she came into bat for the first time, I think it was a trial game in East Anglia somewhere, and she was batting with JB. You've seen JB bat, haven't you? She is absolutely superb. And you never took a run to JB. She used to feel it mid-off. And she would look at which angle the bat was coming down. And she would anticipate where the ball was going to go. You never took a run to JB. No way. And because, um, of course, she did the throw-in, didn't she, in the, in the World Cup when we beat the Indians. Anyway, she was batting with JB. And she made JB look like a novice, Charlotte, the first game I ever saw her play. Amazing, amazing girl. Lovely character, beautiful character. How old was she at that time? Uh, she wasn't very old. I don't think she was 20, but um, I wouldn't like to say. We'd have to look upon it and check the records uh, when she first played. And I, I don't. it wasn't an England game, I don't think. It was some sort of trial game, I think. Yeah, because she was playing against all England girls. But um, fabulous, yeah. We've got some uh, questions actually from Charlotte as well. So we basically Bye. over the weekend we put out a tweet and we got so much interaction from it. So many people were messaging us, asking their questions, saying how much of an inspiration you are. So I've got a message here from Charlotte Burton. She's really looking forward to listening to the episode when it's released. Enid is a legend of the game and a true inspiration for women's cricket. I always remember her sledging me from the slips every ball, even when I was 12 years old. So many good <laughs> memories playing against Enid, apart from when she got me out. <laughs> oh, I thought I learned the sledging from the Aussies. I obviously didn't, did I? But it's funny you say that because we went, we were supposed to go to the West Indies with Ray Group, and she took us over to, um, to Spain, to the um, place there. And um, I've been since, and they've actually got a pitch named after Rachel. But in those days, they couldn't get away through to the uh, coast. And so, really, it, it wasn't a, a big success that, that she'd hoped for. And they got a wonderful pavilion with a huge golden roof, like in, in, like, like in uh, Germany. But, of course, the only problem was that when you were batting at one end and the sun was shining, the sun was right in your eyes off this roof, which is stupid. Anyway, I walked all the way to the, to the beach, uh, which was... Uh, gorgeous lovely black soil and these lovely red flowers there and when I got there it was fine because I could do some training on the sand but the amount of plastic rubbish anyway you'll have more questions so we better carry on yeah you touched briefly on sledging so I just wanted to know did you have a favorite sledge when you were playing or did you just kind of go with the flow oh I'd ad lib as I went along yeah in fact I once got told off by an umpire because I said something to one of the bowlers, one of our bowlers, I took the mickey out of her name. I have this thing that all the time I'm trying to take a, a, the Michael out of something, and, and the pun, I love puns. And I used to have an uncle, that, and we'd, we'd swap them, and, you know, we, he'd, he'd throw one back, and, and that was really good fun. But, of course, he's long gone. And then we've got a question from Marco Marvel's women's cricket team. I think they're based in Leicestershire. How did you get into cricket, and then what was the reaction from your peers, especially men? So I was I was a tomboy, and uh, my pa- I was an only child, 
and my dad had got a good wage. And so they bought me all the equipment. So I've got pads, bat, gloves, and the ball. And so the lads would come calling for me. And we got in those days, you had the mining, and there was um, like a, a, a big, tall wicket. I should think it was about four foot high, which was the, the center where all the wiring took place for all the street light and all the wiring in the district. So we used to use that and we got roads either side and there wasn't much traffic. So you got a, a clear way up the hill straight ahead. So it was like having a cricket pitch on the um, road. And of course, in those days, you could play on the road and you didn't have to worry about traffic uh, until we lost the ball, of course, over the gardens if somebody hit it far, far. Anyway, but then we decided that we were going to, get, as we got a bit older, we could go further afield. So we tried and we used to play on the pitch, which was next door to the Parsons house, which was fine because my dad had got an allotment and he got umpteen apple trees on there. But of course, what did the lads want to do? And I was the only girl playing then. They wanted to hit the ball onto the Parsons garden and scrump his apples, didn't they? So we got sent off from there. And of course, when the pit horses came up for the fortnight holiday... We, we couldn't play on there anyway. Anyway, we tried then going to the cricket pitch, which was a well-known pitch, because it was a lovely football pitch and cricket pitch joined to one another, cricket pavilion. And we played right on the outfield, but no, the chap who I later played bowls with later on used to send us away from there. But I think that was the answer to, and probably why I use my feet when I play, because we then had to cut out our own pitch which was opposite a cemetery. And uh, we did it with scissors and shears, head shears, cutting this pitch. So we'd only got sort of the, the actual strip. The rest of it was foot high or yard high uh, grass. So if you hit the ball in there, you had a hell of a job finding it. My mum used to come up at night, some ungodly hour and try and help us finding it. But of course, you had to actually get to the pitch of the ball or hit it on the full. Otherwise, you never knew if you let it bounce what on earth it was going to do. So I think that is the secret of my success, that we were turned off so many cricket pitches, we had to make our own. Quite a good field now, actually, <laughs> with the parked party cars and things. So I hope that answers the question. We had this question sent in by Scarlett, who's 11 years old and is from Lancashire. She wanted to know, what was it like playing cricket in a skirt? The reason that we swapped from a skirt was that JB, who was a brilliant fielder, slid down at one stage and she made such a huge scar on her thigh. Couldn't have the skirt down when she battered. So, But in summer, it's fine because it, you got, the only struggle was that you got your legs from the top of your knees and below the knees because we wore socks up to nearly our knees. So you got like a tan there. You got a tan there, but nowhere else. But in fact, when it was hot and warm, and certainly in Australia, New Zealand, it was a heaven to play in shorts instead of trousers. So I, I like playing in shorts. It was a divided skirt, really. They were so and so's to iron. And of course, they cost the earth. I mean, my mother had nearly had a heart attack when I told her I've got to have these shorts to play for England and how much they were costing. But somebody actually from Surrey actually gave me a pair, which did help because they were they were quite expensive. But they were they were fun to play with, as I say, a bit of a so and so to iron. Well, in those days we didn't slide quite so much, so we didn't get so many grass stains on that. But that was a problem. But of course the thing was that we wore a blazer, white blazer at first for England. Well, you can imagine going on a tour on on board ship six weeks and going to Australia. 
and then trying to keep it on tour. I mean, we were on tour for four and a half months. But of course, Rachel brought in a, a bottle blue one, which was good. So, so that was a big, big help. But uh, I can't remember when trousers came in. Must have been after JB. But they, they, they were okay. Yeah, I think the trousers came in around '97. We spoke to Sue Redfern, and yeah. she mentioned what an inspiration you were to her, getting her involved in everything. And she told us the story of a player cut their knee in India, got it so infected. That's why they started to try and like rally for trousers just to protect uh, the cuts and everything. Yeah, I've not heard of anybody having a cut. And India, India is not the best place anyway. And you've got to be careful what you eat in India. Mary Pilling, who bowled and, of course, went to Dartford. And, of course, she used to stand up for give notices. And she'd always say, half past, because she came from up north, you see. And um, she said, don't eat anything that's not boiled or comes from a tin when you're in India. So I've only been in airports there. I think she travelled around there. Of course, she's travelled everywhere. Amazing character. We've got a question from Claire Jenkins. Right. Why do you think the Malvern Cricket Festival was so successful? A lot of people were teachers, and so it was in the summer holiday. And, of course, there weren't any England games then at that time. And, of course, people could get together, and they play every day at first. They played uh, declaration cricket, which wasn't usual. I mean, once the one day came in, that was different, and they do different competitions now. And, of course, they played every day. I mean, there was one chap at... Who, who was there one day when it had rained. And he was there at about six o'clock in the morning trying to get this pitch right for us. And and people had places to stay. So it was good business for people who got lodgings. And, and when they built two pitches at, um, I'm trying to think now, not Malvern, um, at Colwall, they then made a, uh, camping facilities available to a larger extent. I mean, we used to camp near the pub in Colwall. But there wasn't much room there. They built houses on there now. Um, but, of course, there was a toilet and there was a pub, so my other half could go in for a drink at night. My daughter never used to go in because she used to shout at the television. I don't know if she still does, but <laughs> so she didn't dare go in. Uh, so we, we'd have a really good time. And so we'd meet together at night, and there's a clubhouse at Colwell. The men looked after us. We had a game on the Wednesday, which was against the fellas. And usually you'd, you'd try and say something, you know, it's, it's really it's really um, nice and sunny up there, isn't it? Hoping that they would look up there when the ball came, you see, and then they'd lose sight of it. <laughs> anyway, there'd be games, there'd be a quiz that would be organised. And so it was real fun and it was something to look forward to. It was, it was a general holiday for a lot of people. Uh, and, and sometimes we'd have really good weather. I can remember one. Really, really lovely sunny week. Uh, but usually you, they used to say, if you can see the hills, uh, it's about to rain. And if you can't see the hills, it's already raining. But of course, the Malvern Hills are beautiful to walk along. Yeah, I, I keep threatening I'll do the 20 mile walk along the top. Um, it's heavenly, wonderful. That definitely would be beautiful because the Malvern Festival, I don't know if it's still running, but it was definitely running when I was a teenager and stuff. We have so many fond memories there. And I know there's a swimming pool there. And we got a question from Sarah Pickford, I think it was, who wants to know, why did you wear your bikini there so often? So we think there must be a story behind this. No, it was just to get a tan, basically. And I'd actually got to figure that I could wear a bikini. I can't wear a bikini now, of course. 
Why not? <laughs> well, well, actually, I sit on the front lawn. I've been on the front lawn today to get some vitamin D to my face. I took out a, a prawn sandwich and, and a hot chicken that I buy, and I give half of that to my son, who looks after me, bless him. But I've got this next-door neighbour's cat came, and, it, and, of course, I gave her some chicken, and she wanted to come up onto my knees, so I came inside instead. But I go and sit on the sun, in, uh, in the sun, on the front lawn, Normally in a relaxer chair, but I put that away for the winter. So I'm just in an ordinary chair. That's a vitamin D. Instead of having evaporated milk, I drink evaporated milk. The bikini story then is just about getting some vitamin D and topping up your tan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably showing off as well. I mean, I'm a big show off, I must admit. So basically when we went there, um, so I used to play for Somerset in the age groups and stuff. Um, We got Mm. told we weren't allowed to wear bikinis. Right. Oh. because of the, the lifeguards and the men and stuff and at the time we were like what we were like 16 17 it's outrageous so sexist isn't it? so yeah. sexist yeah uh, well they won't use the swimming pool now because i think the chap who who was the contact at the school i think i'm not sure he's not died and certainly audrey collins knew him and audrey collins has died she was a fantastic character yeah but there was one lady betty Maisie, went there she went there oh, until she was 50, I think, and she was deaf as a post, and she used to have a friend stay with her in the caravan. And uh, and when we were on the on the campsite, she'd say, don't shout, you'll wait, Betty. And I'm thinking, Betty's deaf as a post, she's not going to hear anything. <laughs> but she put up a clothesline, and, and in fact, we hung things on there, because you could otherwise you'd garrot yourself when you walked in the dark into this clothesline. We had some real, really good fun there. Brilliant. The last part of that question from Claire as well is why do you think it holds so much historical importance for the women's game? I think the thing was, I don't know whether that was one of the starting points, but one of the girls who played for England as a wicketkeeper and an opening bat, she lived there. And I think that's why they started it at Colwell. A, welcomed everybody and you could play with a test match player and a beginner. And they would temper the cricket for it. And, of course, it did introduce people to declaration cricket. At first, there was no one-day stuff. People were all very friendly. They looked after one another. They would give people lifts. I mean, I went with somebody on a, on a motorbike the first time I played. And perfectly safe. She was fine. Um, I once remember taking people back because I didn't drink. And so if people were at the pub late at night and they'd had a drink, they couldn't drive back, could they? I think I took about 11 people in my little car. It was before you all had to wear seatbelts, of course. But we had a whale of a time. Yeah, you had a great time. And my cricket was never very good because I was either too tired or, um, or you know, I've, I've got to concentrate on the children as well, of course. I mean, I, I remember playing in Malvern once and shouting to them. I bought them new I can't remember, trousers. No, they bought new anoraks. And I said, you're paying for that anorak, you know, if you... Because they were sliding down the seal, weren't they, in the mud? But my other half, my husband, Colin, quite fancied JB. And he used to go round the round the boundary to where she was fielding. And he'd be giving her advice on how to play. Um, but uh, it was quite strange, really, when Kath played. Because she was a really good soul. She was a conservative, so we didn't get on politically. Uh, but in fact, I got told off by Edna Valentine, who used to coach our club side. And she said, why do you put, when you put, when cast bowling, 
why do you put somebody at really deep square leg? I said, well, you watch a ball. This one goes short on the leg and then they'll hit it down there. She said, oh, I see what you mean. But she now gives me a lift. We go out for a meal with people I played hockey uh, and we, we have a get together normally every month. Of course, that's that's gone into, that's been kicked into touch. Anyway, my team, Notts County, are winning at the moment. They're third in the table. Sorry, carry on with the questions. Oh, no, it's brilliant, honestly. Um, hearing all your different stories and stuff. Um, I think Alex has got the next question from Carol Camino, if you recognise that name. Who know, Carol, yeah. Well, they put me up, she, Carol and Coral put me up uh, at their... Um, they're, uh, well, it's like a farmhouse, really. It's gorgeous. So Carol wanted to know, how did you use to fund your England cricketing exploits by doing work at home? And how many of your teammates used to help you with these odd jobs? We did have a scheme that we were going to sell paper books. We were, I think it was Rachel that started it, probably. We were selling paper books. I actually, we had quite an extensive garden where we lived. It was a detached house, three children there. And I got a shed that we could have converted to somewhere where my dad could have lived when he was left on his own. What do I want to come and live with you for, he said. Anyway, so we did the garden there and I put up a stall at the front to sell the vegetables from the garden to people passing by. Well, of course, there was a greengrocer's shop opposite, so he wasn't very pleased that I was selling the potatoes cheaper than he was, because, <laughs> of course, I wasn't licensed. I wasn't able to pay any rates, was I, for that? Anyway, in the end, I sold out, and, of course, we then got none for the family to eat, so I had to go and buy some from him in the end, so that didn't work out. But I, I had some sponsors. My dad knew some people politically, and they were on the other side, but they got money, and they gave money there. We did sell some books. My friend opposite in the fish and chip shop, where I used to go for the Sunday lunch, uh, not Sunday lunch, Saturday lunch. My dad used to come and cook Sunday lunch. But I invariably went to the chip shop for the Saturday lunch. And she organised a, a jumble sale, so we made some money on that as well. But basically, I had to go back to work because um, normally I'd been at home looking after the children. But it was a bit of a nightmare because, of course, I had to work part-time so I could get time out to do the training. And I keep saying to people now, you know, I, I played for cricket for England for 20 or nearly 20 years without being paid. And, of course, I don't believe that. I went to one chap, uh, invited us to a game, and he got a Jaguar. And he was offering me some money. I said, I'm not allowed to accept money, you see. And, of course, not only with a Jaguar. I'd never shut the boot down of a Jaguar, and so I thumped it down. He said, no, he said, you have to do it very gently. I said, I'm sorry, I, I've never dealt with a Jaguar before. I had a Ford Escort and a bike. So it was all about how you managed to pay to be able to go on to the tours and stuff? Well, Rachel organised sponsorship with the clothes, so we had uniform. In fact, one dress was so nice, one of the ladies who put me up in New Zealand, uh, I sent back and Colin actually got them in the stores at M&S and then sent one out to her, so that was nice. But basically, you, I was used to living on a shoestring anyway. By Thursday coming, I'd run out of housekeeping money because it was payday on Friday. And so we used to invariably have pancakes and, and orange juice on a Thursday for tea. It made me be able to manage when I when I left him. I was able to cope and live on a shoestring. I used to go into um, Safeways, as it was then, on a Wednesday afternoon when they used to sell things off cheaply. There was usually somebody hanging around there asking for money as well, of course, and the assistants would say, oh, just ignore him. But 
So I, I learned to manage without, let's put it like that. My dad was very generous. He always used to pay for the... Uh, he used to cook, cook my Sunday lunch while I went down to do nets at Trent Bridge. And I, so I'd have my Sunday lunch at, on Monday morning, usually for breakfast. And so he'd cook the meal and look after them. And, and that's how I coped. So we actually have a tweet from someone you coached in their early years and actually went on to be one of England women's most successful players. And that is Charlotte Edwards. And um, Charlotte Edwards tweeted us saying about you, what an absolute legend, played a massive part in my early years. Although she did keep getting me out with her left arm spin, we'll be forever thankful for her support. She's an amazing lady and she's an amazing cricketer. I think probably she had a lot of help from a friend of mine called Jackie Wainwright as well, who played for East Anglia, as Charlotte did. But Charlotte was an absolute phenomenal cricketer right from the word go. As I say, you know, she just stroked the ball through the covers and made JB look like a novice, quite honestly. I'm hoping that eventually she will get some honours, either a statue at Lord's or... Maybe. I don't know if she'd want to be president, actually, at Lord's. Claire Connell will be fine doing that. I can show you now my pictures with Princess Anne, if you can see them. Oh, I was watching them behind you. I was going to ask, actually, if we could see them. They're, they're the ones with the family at the back. Um, I don't think I can take it down. It's too heavy for me. I can see your cap, though. Pardon? I can see your cap, your friend's yeah. cap. That's the one with Princess, because uh, of course Princess Anne gave us the the cup at uh, at Edgbaston. Now, can you see? Oh, that's amazing! There, look. She uh, and she's so knowledgeable. She really is. I mean, with with everybody. But I, I, I disgraced myself at Buckingham Palace because, of course, I didn't realise you weren't supposed to applaud because I was one of the later ones. And so when one lady had got an award for ballet. She did this most beautiful balletic uh, curtsy. And, and I clapped like William. And Trump said, Mum, we were told not to applaud. Difficult, wasn't it? But actually, I actually went and did my bowling action as I went out from, from London shaking hands with Princess Anne. So once she shakes hands, that's the end of the interview, you see. So I then went and did my bowling action as I went round the back. Oh, I love that. Uh, well, that was, the, that was the reason I was there, because I took so many wickets. When, in fact, the, the captain used to say, the ones I couldn't bowl out, I could talk out. <laughs> Magic, can't you? <laughs> um, yeah, surely it was for your runs as well. Over 1,500-odd runs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got to be for your bowling and your batting. Well, the fact that Rachel was following us uh, helped. I mean, and Lynn Thomas was a great, great partner as well. I really enjoyed playing with her. And, I, and of course, I named my second daughter after Lynn. I was going to um, that actually. I wondered whether that was a link. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. In fact, Lynn bought Lorna, which is, who is the eldest. She was named after Lorna Doon. Oh my God. So apparently. Okay. My, 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 my husband named her, and I named the second. And then um, Lorna named the third one Robert because she got a boyfriend called Robert who was at Playgroup. We took Lorna to Trent Bridge. And, of course, she was up and down the steps there, and she got a white dress on. Can you imagine going to a cricket match in a white dress? Anyway, so Lorna, Lynn Thomas bought her some, uh, some in, in royal blue, which were far more suitable. Anyway, she's, put, she's taken up the support because she supports... Uh, she, she's a member at, uh, at Lord's, and uh, she, takes, she drags her husband down there. Just thinking back as well, obviously, because 
the amazing things that you must have seen in your time and stuff, what do you think has been the biggest kind of turning points for women's cricket? Well, the various characters. I mean, Rachel was a big character. Uh, and then Charlotte, people like JB, and, and of course, Claire Connor getting the role at, at Lords, and Jill McConway, who's now gone back to live. She was a New Zealander. She is an amazing woman. She's she's got a lot of she's she's got all sorts of things. She she's planned lights in her living room that that go on and off with with the daylight that she's planned herself. And she was at at Lords in charge of women's cricket before Claire. So um, and lot, lots of other people who've really given. I mean, people like Norma Whitehorn who've given their services without being paid. She did make a bit of a problem for Rachel at one time because, of course, it wasn't really looked upon with any joy that Rachel was being given a a commission each time she got women's cricket publicised, but that was the way we were going to go. So uh, lots of lovely characters over the years. And tremendous now, I mean, Heather Knight is is a great, great um, ambassador for our game. I wanted to know, what was it like playing with Rachel Hayhoe Flint when you did? She was so encouraging, and yet she was a laugh. She would, you know, she would uh, make it fun. It would always be fun. The only time she wasn't fun was when she'd, uh, what did she do? It was on the tour when we came on the way back, because she got some friends who lived in the States, and so she wanted to play. And the only game that we lost, actually, was against the men on a, on a uh, artificial wicket over in San Francisco, and um, somebody I think had, had pressed her shirt, a cricket shirt, with an iron that had got a mark on it, and so it had left a green mark on this shirt collar, which was very very obvious when she was wearing it. So she wasn't very well pleased about that. But the rest of the time, she'd always got a joke. Or in fact, we <laughs> we used to say, "Oh, joke six this 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 innings." So uh, she was amazing. As I say, she she called the MBE the Midland Butler's Export because she lived in Wolverhampton. And she worked for the Express and Star. She worked as a journalist. But you could never get her out when we played her in club games. It was just a, a vain hope to try and think they were all going to get her out. She got married to have a son. She wanted a son. And, of course, she did have a son. Yeah. And we've got um, a question from <laughs> Rath Nicholson, who I'm sure you're aware of. Oh, yes, yes. She's an amazing character, yes. So she mentioned about... How did it feel to birth the legend that is Charlotte Edwards in a coaching sense? But also, did you almost become the England coach at one stage? Yes. Well, I I coached the under-21s. And foolishly, uh, when um, my ex-lecturer, Ruth Westbrook, gave up the job, she did offer it to me. But I don't drink or smoke. And I was a bit worried that I, I wouldn't be able to enforce that ruling. And, of course, the manager, I've got a very, very good manager in Jane Morris. She would have done all that, so I didn't need to. So I've always regretted not, not accepting from Ruth to take on the uh, coaching. The, uh, and then when I passed on the under-23s to a chap who I'd been on a course at Villashaw with, I was going into the room with him, and all right, the, the captain then was our uh, East Midlands captain, Karen Hickey. And, of course, what, we'd always got a, a banter going on there. And, of course, we'd been chatting, and, and he wouldn't let me go into the room when he was first meeting them. 
And of course, he didn't want me there, so I didn't go in. But I was really, really hurt about that because we had been successful. But I thought a man might press them harder, might make them work harder. And so that was why I encouraged, you know, to. But he didn't really get the women's game. I mean, he's been a very good coach since. But I don't think he fully comprehended because, of course, the ball is lighter. The girls aren't as physically strong, are they? The men can't be most of them. And he came to me at the end and said, "Where did he? Be? Where did I think he'd gone wrong?" And I'm sorry, but I just ignored him. I didn't say anything. I could have said, "Well, you didn't invite me in to to hear what you said." But anyway, that's over and gone. And they've got a very good coach now and a very very good captain in in Heather. I'm sure yeah. would love to chat to you as well, though. Do you get much involvement anymore or not? Well, I do as much as I can. Have you heard of Karen Elliott, who lives out in uh, in the east um, near Norwich? And uh, we went over to Spain, and that's where we went to the, the pitch there, where they've named one after Rachel. And they've also taken down that pavilion with the with the gold rooftop. Uh, so they've got two pitches there now. Uh, and we've been over there, and I umpired, and I fielded in slip. She wanted me to bat. Well, I wouldn't bat because I'd had one artificial knee. I need another one doing now. I had the COVID test, though, so I'm getting there. But unfortunately, if they call me into hospital on March the 1st, I've booked my car in for an MOT. <laughs> the last time I went on the bus, you know, after lockdown, I went on the bus, and the chap said, oh, you, your ticket's run out. Well, I haven't used the dancing, had I? So anyway, let me on for about three stops, and then I got off. But they played games over in um, in Norwich and uh, I umpired for the last game I umpired for 100 overs and I was fine I do now try to stop putting my finger up when it's out or appealing no it's all right to put the finger up isn't it as an umpire but normally I say how's that as well <laughs> it's so blatantly obviously out but um in fact Carol who um, sent a message earlier Carol Camino they came over she and Carl came over and, and gave me a mask and all sorts of things. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. You look a bit like Ebony and a bit like Jenny, actually, Alexandra. Your name should be Alexandra Palace. Do you ever get called Alexandra Palace? I mean, I get called Ali Pally sometimes, but right. but I've never actually been called Alexandra Palace. Tell them you need your full name, Alexandra Palace. That would be an interesting one. It's a lovely name, isn't it, Anna? Gorgeous name. Yeah. Well, uh, we had a we had a neighbour whose name was Knight, and her parents called her Wendy. So of course she used to be called Wednesday Night, didn't she? Oh, I mean, how, how silly is that? Do you get any nicknames, Hannah? You might be to- Tomo as well. Are you? Yeah, it's like yeah, I get it called yeah. Tomo, but I didn't like that mm. to be with. No, I it was a bit too manly. Well, my two college friends that I've got left, the other two have died. They call me Nid instead of Enid, so I have to write on the on when I email them. I put e, apostrophe Nid. So, um, but I'm still friends with those people, and it's fifty odd years now since we left college. And as I say, I'm still friends with this uh, school friend of mine. I've sent off a book for a son who's got spina bifida. Actually, he's a lovely lad. He used to be a very very good swimmer, but Janice Wren took me under her wing and made me feel really welcome at school.
So that was lovely. Apart from my pronunciation of some of the French things. I did manage to get French, though, at, at A-level. I, I failed the history and maths because I got... Well, the, the French teacher had got a really good sense of humour and she used to read books. And so some lessons we'd get, we'd get off the subject altogether. We're talking about this book that she was reading. Amazing woman. Miss Lara, it's her name. Amazing. We have a couple of questions that were sent in to us by Jill Smith, who I believe was a 1993 World Cup player. First and foremost, she wanted to know if you were still playing the game. Well, I will be when I've got the other knee. I've got to have another new knee yet. She was an amazing player. In fact, she was the brains behind when we won the game, when we won in 1993. She was a, a more developed brain than, than Karen Smithies, and I have a great pile of Karen Smithies because she was our East Midlands captain and great sport. But Jill Smith was, was a really good cricket brain. And, of course, we were on selection, weren't we, for the under-21s at one time, and we got one lady who were nameless uh, because she was really keen on one girl being chosen. And, all right, she was good, but you couldn't talk her... Uh, out of anything else and I said to Jill please turn up for selection meeting because I don't know whether Elaine Wilco can come and select as well and I need somebody to support so they are objective and we pick the best team not just the ones that um, maybe we fancy if you get my just good good though they might be and Jill Smith also wanted to know what are your views on how cricket has changed with the different formats with T20, T10 and the 100 coming in? Can't give a, a view on the 100 and the, and the, um, and the T10 yet because I haven't seen that. But I do, like, I do like watching the T20. I mean, it's a different mentality. But, and it's amazing the number of, of shots that you can improvise. It's, it's really good. And I think it's been so positive in introducing the public to cricket because they can see. And, of course, it's, you know, it's a bit like a football match. You know, you don't go all day to watch. And it's over in a shorter time. So um, I'm looking forward to being at Trent Bridge and watching some of it down there. But I've had a text from one of my friends down at Trent Bridge who, who lives in Leicester. And we go and sit together and, uh, and banter. So I'm looking forward to seeing the other two elements of the game. But yeah, the variety, it's the spice of life, isn't it? Jill also wanted to know, what format would you say is your favourite? And who was your favourite batting partner? I didn't bat very often with Rachel, probably with Rachel. But I, I used to get on very well with, with Lynn Thomas as an opening bat. We, we seem to understand. But I did have a partner who played for, she played in goal at Wembley once, but it was very muddy like it was with Rachel. And Rachel decided to come out and it wasn't the right decision, but you've got to make a decision. Her name was Pauline Richardson, who played for Knotts. And she and we'd just sort of raise our eyebrows and we'd know that there was a run. But, of course, we played so often together, that made the difference. And we wouldn't have to call. So, of course, the fielders didn't know whether we were running or not. But she played, as I say, hockey for England in goal. I think she played badminton for Midlands. And she played... Um, I don't know that Rachel actually rated her. And there was another June Bragger who played for the Midlands who didn't rate her in the same way. She was quite portly, to put it politely. She did like a drink. She worked for Boots and she used to go around taking them something to, uh, to as, a, as a stimulant, as a vitamin, if they weren't very well. And obviously checking up that they were, in fact, off work legitimately. 
and not not rugging the system. But she she probably is the one that I I played uh, most succinctly with. But of course, playing at club, you, you do don't. And at England level, probably uh, Lynn Thomas. Amazing character. She could keep you amused all night. In fact, she amused herself one night. She bought this ukulele. She had a, um, a, a big handle for coming on the plane. She got one lot for a big hole or something, you know what I mean, for the grown-ups, and then another one. So she got all these ukuleles for the for the children in the family, and there were a lot in her family. She got an auntie wherever we went. Oh, I, oh, I know there, I got an auntie there, she'll say. And um, uh, she was, somebody locked her in the room one night. <laughs> she was playing this ukulele. Come back, blue lady, come back. Don't be blue anymore. Fingers were sore the next day. And, of course, she was right-handed. And she was bowling right-handed as well. So, um, anyway, I'm telling tales out of school here. I shouldn't do that, really. You should let the tales stay there on tour. <laughs> she wouldn't mind, Nolan. Well, we love the tour stories. Like any more tour stories that you can think of would be brilliant. So we have got a question actually about a tour. So what was it like taking an England under 19s team to South Africa? Oh, it was fascinating. Uh, we got two two sort of elements. One's the ones to stay by the pool and relax and, and uh, sunbathe and others that wanted to go adventuring so I went with a lot that were adventuring and we went and we, we went to this campsite that we thought might be interesting it's all closed down wasn't it we couldn't get in there but um it was a great experience we met we saw the um South African team there who was the one that um Hansi Kronje the one that got rigged for something didn't he was he being bribed or something do you remember he was the captain and uh he, he came and played uh, well, no, he came and stayed at the same hotel and we had the other team that they were playing. I think it was the West Indians that were playing. Of course, the West Indians wanted to take all our girls upstairs to their room, didn't they? So uh, we had to put, put stop to that. But they only got ordinary sunbeds. Uh, but when the South Africans came, of course, it was in South Africa, so, uh, they got these posh lilo type things on the, on the laid out on the bed. Yeah. So um, one law for the rich and one for the for the others. It's great in South Africa, lovely weather, beautiful, yeah. I was going to say, you must have got plenty of vitamin D there. Yes, although I was ill when we went down to Cape Town. That was that was lovely there. And I never got to see the, the animals near the water because I was ill and I had to stay in. And then, of course, the physio said, come on, you've got to play. We need your spin bowling. So uh, I was right back onto the, onto the pitch. I'd played in some shoes that weren't, hadn't got proper spikes in and I'd done a hamstring, but she was ever so good and she got me fit in a week, did really amazing. She's a remedial gymnast, which is another way of saying a, a, a physio. My daughter, my, Lynn's, my daughter's a physio. I just want to quickly steal a question here as well, because you've just reminded me. I read an article where you spoke about, I think it was the 1973 World Cup, about a match getting rained off because people weren't wearing spikes. That wasn't That's really right. Scary. Yeah. That's a little bit more about obviously the clothing that you wore and the technology of the game at that time. Well, we weren't given so much stuff. We had to buy our stuff. I mean, when I went down to Gun and Moor for a bat, I think I was really begging to ask just for a bat. But some of them were asking. I mean, Derek Randall, I got on really well with Derek Randall because he's a great real character. And we were on the same governing board at the special needs school and we played a cricket game there. But he'd not bothered to oil one of his bats. And so it had broken up, hadn't it? Incredible. And, of course, they got socks and, and boots and shoes and whatever they wanted. Anyway, uh, I, I 
put a pic- there was a picture in the press with my back, which had got like a, a black bandage on it. It was some sort of tape, I think. And Red Simpson at the time, he was the chairman there, and he, or director, whatever, in charge. And he said, oh, I think you better come down and choose another gun and more bats. So I did. So I've had gun and more bats ever since. And Peter Wright looks after me as well. I've got new bags in the, it's in the, in the garage waiting for me to, yeah. So are you still sponsored by them, sorry? Yes, yes. It's going to more, yeah. And I try, I don't know whether you've spotted pictures, but I've got one of the, all the team, all the, the ladies, the ones who were left because some have died. And I've got the gun and more bats at the front, <laughs> displaying them. <laughs> got to do your best for them, haven't you? And they are yeah. good bats. Isn't Enid great? And isn't it wonderful for her to look back on her playing career with such fond memories? And if you were hoping for more Enid, you're in luck. Our part two drops tomorrow as our second podcast of seven for International Women's Week. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat and on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. And if you wanted to give our personal Twitters a follow, Hannah is at HannahT1194 and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Thank you.